Hello and welcome back to the Great Ship, the Space Show show. I oh. am your host, Lieutenant Rebecca Frost. And on alert, as always, Carrie Jackson. Hello. Uh, we have this message from the Space Show show. Our list of demand. It is useless <laughs> to resist us. We will level your planet and take what we want. That is destruction. You will die as a race. We will not argue. Close communications. Turn faces off. All right. We have one demand. <laughs> one demand. <laughs> And it's that you listen to this show. Uh, yeah. This week, um, some interesting episodes we're talking about in season two. Uh, yeah. th this week, we're going to be talking about Friday's Child, The Deadly Years, Obsession, Wolf in the Fold, and The Trouble with Tribbles. One great episode there. <laughs> um, uh, well, okay. Uh, right. I don't know if I would say just one great episode. Um, okay. I'm excited to hear this. But okay, well, yeah. So our first episode, Friday's Child, the Federation clashes with the Klingon Empire over mining rights to Capella Four. A sudden coup between its warrior-minded inhabitants forces Kirk's party to flee with the now dead leader's pregnant wife. Uh, Fun. <laughs> yeah, I was bored. Minute one, I was bored. Really? <laughs> with this episode. Yeah. Okay. I could not get into it. Um I tried. I tried so, so hard. And uh, uh, and it was a McCoy-heavy episode, and we've been wanting it, a McCoy-heavy episode. It was a McCoy-heavy episode. Um, <laughs> like, what is there even to say? Like, because the Klingons and the Federation are talking about trying to get mining rights for this whatever it is. And then, <laughs> much like within the Klingon Empire, um, or in the mirror mirror universe, um, in order mm -hmm. to ascend to a new rank, you must assassinate the person above you. Well, that's that's in this uh, this civilization, this tribe. That's how they advance. Is the very Capella tribe. Yeah, very... they're like even they're just as Klingon as Klingons are, and so that's why the Capellans kind of admire the Klingons. Klingons admire the Capellans. The conceit, though, that McCoy was placed there for a while and so he was familiar with how things are done on capella was kind of lost on me shrug big shrug from me like yeah. the entire plot and lore world building of this episode totally lost on me honestly i couldn't care about any of it <laughs> really, the only part the only part that i found myself absolutely caring about was our friend julie newmar yeah who i did not realize that was julie newmar right out the gate um and her whole deal of oh i don't want child please i do not want child and mccoy <laughs> being like no you you have child and she's like oh no thank you and i'm like respect the woman's wishes mccoy <laughs> <laughs> Some, it's not not all women want children. Well, she didn't want the kid because it was it would the... be like property of the tier in charge, like the head tier or whatever. And the head tier was killed because she belonged. She was the tier's woman. Mm -hmm. I love all of these very progressive <laughs> ways of putting this. Uh, Women as the, property, but, I love it. But the tear was killed, and she didn't want to be with the guy who was going to be named or would eventually be tear. The guy who a, took over. Yeah, I mean, did he you was an see his outfit? Well, yeah, all their outfits, really. <laughs> all of pretty, their outfits. Pretty impractical for a war like uh, <laughs> a bunch of people. Uh, but yeah, so she didn't want to be with that guy. So she was not only rejecting him, but rejecting the baby and rejecting everything. Mm hmm. 
Yeah. And um, uh, also the Klingon that is there. I love that they have definitely they choose they pick and choose which episodes to make the Klingon look like Klingon. And this was one of those episodes where they were like, here's just a guy. No, no makeup. You can tell he's a Klingon because he's got a beard and the outfit and that's it. And that's it. And and uh, he's he's the balding Klingon. He's uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> losing his hair. My favorite part w of of that Klingon, I can't even remember his name. That's how exactly. forgettable so he boring. is. Exactly, so boring, so dull. It was his his scream when he gets when he gets stabbed or shot? It's the same scream each time. <laughs> oh! Just eighty yard. <laughs> Just kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I you mentioned this is a McCoy heavy episode. I do like a lot of the McCoy moments in here where there's a moment where he's like, I called that Klingon a liar and then acts so proud of himself, mm -hmm. yeah. um, demanding to fix the woman's arm that is hurt. <laughs> Just you know, she, like being she so. She don't want any help. Yep. He's so assertive and aggressive about it. And truthfully, I wish more doctors today were like that, but what are you gonna do it's a oh show. except except <laughs> um in the fact where she is like do not touch because she's very they're very adamant like do not touch like do not touch do not touch and mccoy's like i must touch in order to fix i must touch and mm -hmm. they have escaped and they're out in the in the wilds right and he's trying to work on her and she keeps hitting him and he <laughs> finally hits back <laughs> it's, <laughs> just the loop of, of her slapping him and then him slapping her has been on repeat in my mind for two days. <laughs> oh, the... And Andrew was watching it with me. He's like, did he just slap that woman? The days of malpractice are over, apparently, in the future. it's. A... <laughs> oh, my God. Well, it takes me back to Kirk saying there's no right way to hit a woman, you know? <laughs> exactly. But then also, um, well, she was Kirk... being hysterical. I had to do something. God, yeah. a hysterical woman. But then yeah. Kirk is also like trying to help McCoy. And McCoy says, the last thing I need is a ham fisted cap or a ham handed ship's captain. And my, I have a note that's like, McCoy, are you okay? Like, are you mad because you've been hit a couple of times? Because he's also a, later, he's she... in doctor mode. He, he can't think of anything else. Because later he's like napping after she has the baby and she grabs a rock and hits him with it to knock him out. And I'm like, girl, he was already asleep. You could have just left. <laughs> he out. was not going to wake up. Snuck right out. Yep. And and definitely. And she left without the baby, too. Like, <laughs> I mm -hmm. I get it, girl. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, what was, but what then, was it he made, he made her keep saying over and over? The child is mine. The and child then she, is mine. And she's like, McCoy. The subtitles say McCoy, <laughs> which was very <laughs> funny to me. Um, but she's like, the child is yours. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. None. You misunderstand me. The I'm trying to get you to yours. take ownership. It's not mine. It's yours. That's why I should have used a different word. I'm sorry. Well, and but, then uh, and then like the head tier is like, I don't want, uh, you're free to go. And she's like, okay. And McCoy comes out with the baby. She's like, I guess I'll keep the baby, which they, which has been named Leonard James, uh, whatever, Leonard James, whatever her last name Newmar. was. 
Newmar. Her name's Newmar. We'll call her Newmar. <laughs> and uh, Spock is like, wow, you two are going to be so insufferable about this for for a couple of days, aren't you? And they're like, yes. And they looked at each other and said, yes, Spock, for at least three episodes, we're going to be insufferable. <laughs> um, one of the closing lines, because uh, the only way to com- communicate with a baby is through its language, uchi wuchi kuchi ku. And Spock goes, uchi wuchi kuchi ku, Captain? <laughs> As if, like, he just doesn't understand. Um, yeah, this uh, just a boring episode, a nonsensical plot with eccentric costumes. I don't, I don't. Shot on the cheap out in the out in the you know foothills of somewhere in California. The, it's you know. uh, the Vasquez Rocks filming location, oh. where also the setting for Arena, Shore Leave, and the Alternative Factor, where yes. temperatures reached 110 degrees during filming. Of course, let's go there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the actors playing the Capellan warriors were given elevated shoes to make them appear like giants, and the high headgear yes. also served the same purpose. Because uh, they're, they're supposed also... to be like ten feet tall or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. The the Capel. I was disappointed. Uh, no acapella song renditions of anything because they oh. are the Capellan tribe. Waka. You're just spoiled by the musical episode, aren't you? Oh, it has been. We haven't even talked about the musical episode on this on this show. Not on this show, no. Uh, Strange New World, Subspace Rhapsody. Uh, I have been blasting this in my car. Uhura's Keep Us Connected. I can't match the notes that she hits. But She's boy, great. Am I trying? <laughs> and and I only do it when I'm alone. She's great, too. Yeah. Well, she's professional. Mm-hmm. So she, yeah, just who every... Every time I listen to Keep Us Connected, I get goosebumps and I want to sob. I just, the song hits me so hard. Um, (laughs) But another episode that doesn't hit quite as hard as you heard his song, The Deadly Years, an episode... Where do you even begin? This is the episode where they go and visit M. Night Shyamalan's beach that makes you old, okay? Yes. (laughs) Exactly. If If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Um, they go to visit this scientist, Robert Johnson, the most obscure white person name in the year 2200, whatever. Um, and they get there and they're like, no, Robert Johnson's 37. And this guy is like 108 or something. And uh, uh-oh, everyone's <laughs> turning old. <laughs> See, now I was excited when they said Robert Johnson because I was expecting a visit from the legendary blues artist. But uh... not quite. (laughs) (laughs) Not Um, quite. This episode, I have I've dubbed it the episode where they go to M. Night Shyamalan's beach that makes you old. But also the high school theater old age makeup episode. (laughs) It's it's the improv class is is, now you're old. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It took me back to when I was in high school and they were doing the crucible, which I did not get cast in, by the way. Um, You didn't. I did well. So here's why this is a tangent. I didn't get cast in the Crucible because my theater teacher knew I was great at comedy, and so what they did was they set up a second play production in a black box, and we did. Me and my best friend were the odd couple, the female version of the odd couple. I did the odd couple in high school too. Yeah. Which one were you? I was uh, Oscar. I was um whichever one's the clean one. Felix. Felix, yeah. Or to be Felicia, the lady, but the lady I guess. version. Yeah, yeah. I, can't, I can't even remember the name. 
But yeah, I, I, I was so funny that they made sure to cast a, a whole separate play. They didn't do this in the past. They only did one play production every year. But anyway, um, <laughs> watched this episode with Andrew also, who his he has a complicated relationship with uh, family members having Alzheimer's. And oh, okay. we watched this episode like this the whole time. <laughs> it was so hard to watch. So they so they beam down to the planet and they encounter mm -hmm. this old couple, Robert Johnson and his wife. And, yeah. And they say, and they're this ancient, ancient couple. And and this is a but but uh, Robert Johnson, you are. I'm thirty seven, and my wife, Elena, is. I'm I'm thirty eight or something like that. You know. And, and just. just Little decrepit. ancient, ancient, <laughs> decrepit Yoda-like, you know, old people, and uh, so then they they beam back to the plant, uh, to the to the ship, and began to notice that all the members of the landing party are getting old, except except Chekhov. Chekhov, why Chekhov? I uh, I never quite understood why Chekhov wasn't aging, um, because he went into a separate building. Mm -hmm. Well, because he saw the dead body and he got scared. Oh, and he got scared. Okay. And, and did his Chekhov scream that I've told you to listen for. <laughs> yeah. And Captain! Uh, but uh, <laughs> because of the adrenaline uh, that flowed through yes. his body, it didn't affect him. Everyone okay. else was calm, cool, and collected, you know. Uh, so this adrenaline rush is what got him and made it. And, and we find out toward the end of the episode that it's the adrenaline that's made it so that you didn't get the disease that made you age quickly. <laughs> but poor Chekhov gets tested for everything oh, for a half an hour. It. And he's, he's big mad about it. <laughs> about I love, <laughs> love looking at Chekhov at the helm. And he is just like, <clears throat> so <laughs> grumpy. I mean, I don't blame him. I would be too. No, I would be more, more blood Chekhov. How about the, uh, another skin sample, Chekhov? <laughs> Chekhov, he's growing up. There, this span of episodes that we're talking about, um, Chekhov and Scotty both really growing on me as characters. Um, it just because Chekhov, he's always horny and he's always irritated whenever he has to be involved in stuff. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for the Old West episode coming up for you and Chekhov. I can't oh, wait. No. Oh, it's on the way. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I, but yeah, just everyone in high school, old age person makeup, mm -hmm. slowly. Just, and, it's, and, and and the makeup that they're using is essentially what you would have used in your high school, you yeah. know, to, oh, to, yeah. to age you up, you know. What I love, this episode does establish Kirk as 34 years old. Mm -hmm. Whatever, who cares? And we have previously established that McCoy also 34 years old. Why does McCoy look so much worse than Kirk? That's hard living. That's, that's hard living McCoy, man. He's the... Every time, every time McCoy would come on screen, Andrew and I would go, ah! <laughs> it's just a, a startling sight to see because he looks hideous. McCoy is the poster boy for, you know, old crow wild turkey liquor Live, you know <laughs> living hard and being put away wet you know <laughs> indeed he is he has stomped on the tarot which is one of the reasons i admire mccoy oh god and 
uh, Spock aging slower because Vulcans have a much longer lifespan than humans. So, mm-hmm. Le- so McCoy or Leonard Nimoy didn't really have that much makeup put on him. He got some gray. gray put on his hair, but that's about it. Um, the temperature yeah. in my cabin is increasingly cold. I have I have risen the temperature to 120 degrees. And then McCoy's yeah. suddenly appearing and disappearing southern accent shows up. Oh, They're, yeah. Remind me not to make a house call on you. I'm Foghorn Leghorn, Dr. McCoy. I... Andrew did point that out. He was like, why is he like, why is why is this coming out with his old age? He's he he's from the South, uh, mm-hmm. you know, allegedly, uh, you know, he's uh, as he always says, I'm just an old country doctor. Which, okay. Uh, And he does occasionally slip in. You remember the previous episode where he's trying to make a mint Mm -hmm. julep? He slip into that southern accent. Hard Georgian. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting choice for an actor. I don't know why he did it, but uh, there you go. Anyway. Yeah. Of of all the places in the future to be from, Georgia? Uh, when, When they do come to the conclusion that uh, what they need is adrenaline. My first thought was put them on that euthanasia roller coaster. I don't know <laughs> if you've seen that euthanasia roller coaster. It's it's a roller coaster that was designed by someone. It will kill you. And mm-hmm. so <laughs> it starts out super high and then is a series of loop-de-loops that get progressively smaller, but it's designed to humanely kill somebody. <laughs> and my first thought was just put them on that roller coaster, I guess. Oh, but you get your your favorite thing though. You get you get Shatner overacting in this one. I did get, I yeah. It, ooh, it was tough though because because uh, he's doing his old man fingers, his Lewis Black <laughs> fingers. You know, it's like when Lewis Black points. We're in orbit around Gamma Alpha Two, aren't we? Why do you question my question my commands and ever? <laughs> I love Shatner overacting. This one was roof stoof because watching him fall into the hands of Alzheimer's and dementia, mm-hmm. like, ah, Meanwhile, what a metaphor for Congress today. <laughs> Meanwhile, up on the bridge, we've got this, uh, you know, Starfleet, uh, this you know, guy, this business paper pusher. Type. Yeah, this, this mm-hmm. uh, bureaucrat or whatever he is, who's been placed in charge because all the senior officers are affected by this whole thing. Uh, but I let's not was, let's not forget what we learned last episode, which is Uhura is perfectly qualified. I was yelling at Andrew. <laughs> I'm like, you don't understand. This guy shouldn't even be here. Uhura is fourth in line in command. She should be in charge. But no, NBC doesn't want a woman in charge. And he was, was like, he well, com- yeah. <laughs> was he a, was he a commodore though? Was that his rank? He was a commodore. Yeah. How did they just pass those out to anybody? Because boy, I when guess. <laughs> when the shit started hitting the fan, where was he? Just sitting there going, I don't know. He what froze. To do. Listen, yeah. I get it though. There's flight, flight, or freeze, and I'm a freezer, and so I understand where he was coming from and his non-actions when but, it but, when they were being attacked. But take away his commodore stripes after that shit, man. You know, <laughs> take especially, them away. Especially after the next episode, which we'll talk about in just a second. Um, but also, this episode ends with Kirk doing the exact same corbomite corbomite maneuver that he did in that episode, the corbomite maneuver. That's that's his signature move. <laughs> it, hey, if it ain't broke. Exactly. Um, the next episode I would love to talk about called Obsession. 
or as I have nicknamed it, brooding in the bedrooms, because there is a lot of brooding in bedrooms happening. I, you know, they tried to get us some, you know, real character study stuff happening in this episode, and and I just didn't. I act. I I actively hate this episode. How interesting, because you say they did try to do some character study stuff in this episode. Mm -hmm. I loved it. I oh really? It was a okay. pretty weak attempt. I will admit, pretty weak attempt at some character stuff. Walk but, walk me through. Walk me through. Well. So the bad guy again is a cloud. This time the cloud is sparkly. Um, but oh, but also strange new worlds connections here because this fun cloud is the the cloud that destroyed the USS Farragut, where a young James T. Kirk was also stationed, as well as a young Nurse Chapel. But they don't even talk about that in this episode. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, then that means that it, that the end of Strange New Worlds, because she was looking at the Cordry thing. Remember. Mm hmm. Is she going to be like in season three if they ever start making shows again? Uh, <laughs> does that mean that season three she'll be off the Enterprise? Right. I was kind of I was thinking about that too. I'm kind of hoping they do like a when the show returns, like oh, I did my three months with my fellowship and it was so much fun and I'm back and here's all the stuff I learned. Um, oh, okay. And now I have this boyfriend, um, Doctor Caudry. But mm, we'll see. And and then and then the Farragut can get destroyed and. Well, the Farragut's already yeah. Farragut's already been destroyed because in Strange New Worlds. In Strange New Worlds, because okay. there's Nurse Chapel wears a pin commemorating it. That's I, right. Okay. Uh, don't worry. I had to look it up too because I forgot. Because okay. I all I thought that um, Captain Battelle was captain of the Farragut, and and not the um, Cayuga, because. In the preview for the next episode, the Cayuga is definitely in danger, and I definitely think Patel's going to die, and Pike's going to have like a whole existential crisis. Um, uh, but I had a moment of, oh my god, is this going to be the destruction of the Farragut in this next episode? But then I remembered it was already been destroyed. Yada yada yada. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, uh, this is a Moby Dick, another Moby Dick style another. episode, mm -hmm. because Kirk has a lot of um, like survivor's guilt about. Mm -hmm surviving the Farragut and wondering, you know, what if I had acted differently? Um, what could I have done differently if I had not hesitated for two seconds and I could have saved everybody? And he's got a lot of survivor's guilt. Um, and one of the guys, uh, an ensign on his ship, his dad was the captain of the Farragut, uh, Lieutenant Garovic. Garovic, yes. And he also he so when they first encounter the cloud, he freezes and doesn't shoot on he doesn't shoot on it. And he also is suffering the same survivor's guilt of like, oh, my God, I could have done something di totally different. And Kirk is like, you go to your quarters. I'm so mad at you. But then <laughs> over the course of the episode and kind of recon reconciling with his own thoughts, coming to the conclusion of there was nothing any of us could have done. He acted the same way I acted. Mm -hmm. Nobody's at fault here. In fact, at the end of the episode, I have goosebumps just even talking about it. Emotional stuff gets me really hyped. Uh, at the end of the episode, he's like, why don't you come with me to my my room or whatever? I want to tell you some stories about your dad. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's like that's some growth right there. And everybody's coming to terms and acceptance with what happened. I, I guess maybe the, the disconnect I'm having is the fact that Kirk... Young Kirk wasn't smart enough to realize that shooting a light beam into a cloud was not going to affect it. I mean, hey, but also he they tried it again on the ship, 
right? Like yeah. they because they're chasing that, the ship. That or also they're chasing the cloud. Me, we try it again, even though we know mm-hmm. we're shooting a light beam through a cloud. It's not going to do anything. But also, like, listen, when you're in an emotionally heightened state and you are obsessed with you know chasing this white whale and seeking revenge essentially or trying to find some kind of closure for this thing i don't blame him for trying to shoot a laser at it because like what else are you gonna do right like look at it weird and hope you intimidate it enough that it dissipates (laughs) um but this episode combined with the previous episode one kirk's um commandeering abilities are questioned because you know previously he was just old and in this one he's a little too obsessed and and not Mm -hmm. quite thinking clearly um and he's mad at his crew he uh, this span of episodes kirk gets mad at his crew a lot and i don't like it (laughs) (laughs) uh well your telemetry was off mister or whatever maybe Uh, it's because Maybe it's because I just love Captain Pike so much, and he's just such a cool captain. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but Kirk is just so mad at his crew all the Certainly time. Certainly two different styles. I'll, yeah. Well, okay, you're you're <laughs> yeah. talking me out of not liking this episode. You're you're making some excellent points. Yeah. Initially, I was initially I was like, eh, whatever. Who? How do you do? Just a lot of brooding happening. But mm-hmm. maybe it's my time spent watching shows on the cw that i was like yeah okay i do actually kind of like a brooding a brooding scenario but okay um i all mccoy also has a line in this episode that's so well chef's kiss um because people are dying kirk people are dying on kirk's watch because of this and um McCoy says, uh, you know, one man has a chance for survival, the other is dead. You can add that little price tag to your monster hunt. And Kirk says, that's enough. And McCoy says, it's not enough. You didn't care what happened as long as you could hang the trophy on the wall. And it's not on it, Captain. It's in it. Because the cloud is now in the ship. And and I love it when McCoy is like, no, you're being bad and you should know that. Boy, now see, now I hear this. I hear you read these lines of dialogue back, and you know, I, I, I love McCoy. I love DeForest Kelly, but this kind of shows me his limitations as an actor, mm-hmm. because you saying those lines, and I'm, I'm hearing them in J.J. You know, Abrams McCoy. I'm hearing them in um, oh, I can't Carl his Urban. Name. Carl Urban. I'm hearing Carl Urban deliver these lines. And he would have he would have given them the heft that they deserved, where McCoy just kind of spat them out and onto the next scene, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so and again, I'm speaking heresy of this thing that I love so much, but I maybe this speaks to the limitations of DeForest Kelly's acting because those are some great mm-hmm. lines. And yeah. they never resonated with me until you read them to me just now and I'm like, "Oh no, that is good." Mm-hmm. It was just the delivery was bad. He was too busy yeah. spitting them out so that they could set up for the next scene. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I can absolutely agree with that. I, I love DeForest Kelly as McCoy, but I think you're right. I think he does have some limitations in his yeah, delivery and performance. Carl Urban would have taken those words and just, you know, just with those words, put them right through Chris Pine's chest. Mm-hmm. You know, it just like a knife, he would have just thrown them right at it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I agree. 
if we can get Carl Urban to just do a line reading for us. I do uh, like them as my as my bridge crew. I do. The JJ crew, I have to admit. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Oh, I can't anyway. wait for you to see um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. You'll understand why <laughs> later. All right. I'm dying. I'm dying. Okay. Um, yeah. I So my notes towards the end of this episode, I'm like, man, I, I surprisingly really liked this episode. It's much more emotion based. You know, it's um, I think it really resonated with me, too. I really love a story that tells you to face your fears. Um, I There's a Carrie Fisher quote that I reference all the time. Stay afraid, but do it anyway. And this, you know, it got... <laughs> The emotional point where Kirk is like, Lieutenant Garavik, I want you to come down with me to the planet. We're going to do this together. Like, it's just so (laughs) emotional. You've you've walked me away from the I hate it ledge on this episode. (laughs) Watch it. Watch it again from a more like psychological standpoint as two men struggling with survivor's guilt and trying to face their fears and come to a rational understanding and conclusion of their actions i, I think you might appreciate it more um mccoy also has a line at the end where where they're trying to um get them to energize back onto the ship because the antimatter crazy also antimatter uh, what a crazy concept uh, <laughs> because if it's the handy. antimatter if it detonates while they're also trying to energize back on the ship we might lose them forever and mccoy says something like crazy way to travel spreading a man's molecules across the universe <laughs> It's it's one of the more establishing McCoy hates being Mm -hmm. beamed anywhere things. Interesting. uh, Which which shows up uh, later in in some of the episodes and uh, especially in Star Trek the Motion Picture. Uh, Interesting. I've never really considered that. Yeah, he he hates it. He has a fear of beaming anywhere. He he doesn't like the idea of it at all. So anytime you see him on the on the transportation pad, he's know that he's you know secretly inside having having a difficult time and in star trek the motion picture there was there was some dialogue that was cut out well they have a transporter accident in the motion picture and and it's really kind of gruesome because it's their new i'm I'm giving this away but i know you probably aren't even going to bother seeing it Uh, i don't know man i was looking up um what do i watch after this i'm like i guess i have to watch star trek the animated series but I don't know, whatever. I'm anyway, gonna wa- I'm gonna watch it all, Carrie. But they have a transporter accident, and a person gets dissolved, and the and the line from in from the speaker from Starfleet on Earth is, uh, "Yeah, we got them back. What we got back didn't live long, thankfully." Uh... You know, and then then it's like get the transporter fixed, and then it's uh, uh there is uh, someone here who's refusing to get on the transporter pad. Oh, let me see if I can talk him into it," says Kirk, and then. They beam up, and it's McCoy. And the first thing he does once he appears and you know is is solid, he goes, "Oh, thank God!" <laughs> oh, honestly, I feel like I would be like McCoy. I don't know that I would trust just being beamed places. I wouldn't. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we've already seen on the show how many accidents there are. I... <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Oh. But yeah, if you think about. If you, I've got the book here somewhere. It's how the Starship Enterprise works, and mm-hmm. it's all based in science. You know, I mean, theoretically, this shit could happen, yeah. and it's the breaking down and reassembling of molecules. And yeah, that doesn't sound safe to me for human transport. I'm a shuttlecraft guy. I will. <laughs> you know what? Um, especially 
to to relate some of my own like vulnerability here like been been facing a lot of like a feeling scared all the time because lost my house in a fire and so mm -hmm. i'm like constantly is just like afraid Mm -hmm. and no, i have I totally, to like keep reminding yeah. myself and i do this when i fly too because i hate flying um i just remind myself think of all the times planes don't crash and think of all the times your house isn't on fire it's most of the time right mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. you're going to be fine and i think i would have that same kind of like pep talk with myself like hey think about all the times people energize and all the time i mean they and use no it all the time happen. Yeah. yeah, no, and accidents are rare, right? Mm -hmm. So it'll be fine. Ugh, ugh. <laughs> All right. But uh, ooh, speaking of things that feed on fear, wolf in the fold. Oh Look wait, no, hold on. Segue. Well, yeah, I know. Which oh, I'm so mad because um, I have totally skipped um, trivia for the past two episodes. I've just been so excited to talk about them. Um, <laughs> the fact the fun trivia fact for obsession i only have this one the episode establishes the fact that vulcan blood is copper based unlike human blood which is iron based which mm -hmm. kind of cool which um, is and why then, it's green i guess yeah and then okay. quickly going back to the deadly years um having been born on july 16th 1882 felix loker who played robert johnson is the earliest born actor to appear in any star trek episode or film at age 85 years crazy um mm. and then also william shatner resisted looking looking too old as captain kirk age which is why at first the aging kirk's hairline is receding but later his hair is way more full um <laughs> can't just get that out of the way uh wolf in the fold kirk right. and the enterprise computer become detectives after scotty is accused of murdering women on a pleasure planet this episode um a lot of lines a lot of lines that i wrote down because just every line was kind of a gem oh yeah <laughs> it's it's the it's the misogyny planet it's, uh, it's the, yeah it's oh the boy. women aren't people planet <laughs> <laughs> it's the, just three so the episode opens just three friends at a strip club and they are have my first note is oh boy this episode is going to be horny isn't it and uh <laughs> There's a woman, there's a woman dancing unrelated. I have a birthday party I'm going to on Saturday and I need an outfit that is actually exactly like what this woman is wearing. Oh. I need a I, People are going to say, "Are you I dream of genie?" <laughs> I the the theme is disco Barbie and so I it was like this is the type of outfit that I am looking for desperately. Um and this woman's dancing and McCoy and Kirk and Scotty are all at the table and yeah. Kirk yeah. asking Scotty do you like her? <laughs> Scotty, like, yeah, I like her. And Kirk is like, well, don't worry. I've arranged for her to come sit at our table afterwards. <laughs> and he's always uh, like, yeah, that's what I like about me, you, Captain. You're always thinking of your men. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> thinking of my men. <laughs> Just insane. And, she comes and, over and they yeah. offer her a pillow. Can we please have one of our pillows? Just an insane invitation, I think. And and then you see you get to see Montgomery Scott's moves. Oh, you, you get to see how he does things. The charming Scotsman, you know, and talking so about I, it's a it's a lovely night for a for a walk out on the 
out in the out in the fog <laughs> before i even knew what this episode what was going to happen in this episode because i had no idea what was going to happen in this episode when he is talking to her there's nothing like a walk in the fog and i was like yeah that's what a murderer says <laughs> <laughs> oh you know the locks in scotland uh, yeah, it's just like this is what the weather is all the time lassie a beautiful lass like yourself and look great Come out there in the fog i won't murder you a stranger by yourself in the I just, fog. I just my, met you. My alarm system was like whoop 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 whoop. Well, but see the the people on this planet though they don't think like that because yeah. it's a it's a hedonistic society. It's like you know. And McCoy goes. sounded mad about that. Did you notice that McCoy's like it's a purely hedonistic planet? Oh, I, that was an excitement from him. I, Again, I, DeForest Kelly's acting. <laughs> he sounded annoyed to me but what's so funny is kirk is like hey kirk mccoy do you want to get out of here i know a place across town and mccoy interrupts yes i know the exact place <laughs> and these boys have been here before <laughs> these horny horny boys the line the line is it says uh mccoy i know a place across town where the women are and that's when McCoy jumps in. And Kirk yes. says this multiple times. He says, I know yes. a place where the women are, da, da, mm. da. And nobody, nobody finishes the sentence. No. And I'm like, tell me more. What are the women, Kirk? Uh, are they beautiful? Are incredibly they incredibly intelligent and fun <laughs> to talk they... to? Uh, right over here. Are they <laughs> half cat? Like, finish the <laughs> sentence. I gotta know. I want to hear him say where the women are half cat. I want to hear that sentence now. I need to know specifically what you're into, Kirk. Um, yes. But they go out and then hear a woman scream and we see our our friend who was just dancing. She's died and Scotty's against a wall with a knife. And I'm like, Holding Scotty, no. Knife. Yeah. And then who uh, they, you know, they wrangle him. He doesn't have any memory of what's happening. And I don't remember. They leave him alone for two seconds again and he kills another woman. Like, Scotty, no, not again. Half he, of my notes are just, yeah. Scotty, not again. And he can't remember. Oh. And, and uh, as, McCoy's and, diagnosis of the second dead woman. She's dead, just like the other one. <laughs> That's our doctor. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> uh we're laughing about the dead women. Anyway. I, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, so then they, then they Then they try a seance with the, I don't know if he's the mayor or the president. He's like I don't the know. mayor of Pleasure Town. And his wife yeah. is like an ancient descendant of the psychics. people of this planet, of psychics. And yeah. so they do a seance and she's listing off all these names. And Regic is one of them. And... Mm -hmm. um. Scotty, the lights go down and they come back up and she's dead. And, and it is very obvious Scotty has been like holding the knife. In he's her he's holding her and the knife, you know. <laughs> and we're like, Scotty, again? What are you doing, my friend? And, and he see, has that's, no memory. That's where the episode should have ended. They should have said, I'm sorry. It's obvious <laughs> that you're a murderer and we'll get us a new engineer. And good luck. We leave you here in the hold of the authorities locally because this is their laws and their rules. And and see ya. You know. Well, even Spock is like, "Hey, we should just beam him back on the ship and go." Okay. And Kirk, is, Kirk, very Starfleet of him, is like, "No, we are on this planet and we have to adhere to their rules and laws." So, 
we kind of got to go through with this. But they do manage to convince them like, hey, let's go to our ship where we have like truth telling machines and they can like we can suss this out. And they, you know, get to the ship and um, the ship is like, yeah, he's telling the the um relatively subjective truth about he doesn't remember yeah yeah and uh it the big conclusion of this is i hate this the <laughs> the ghost the energy the spirit of jack the ripper has been traveling through the universe just killing women because it can <laughs> and it's like this energy that feeds on death and spock has this great line about how we all feed on death even vegetarians so suck on that vegetarians boom <laughs> and they ask the ship like hey can you list off a bunch of like serial mur murders of women and it lists like four four references to murdered women and i'm like hey there's a lot more than that i can guarantee it <laughs> when, yeah when they said that i was like oh god we're gonna be here for days <laughs> i was like wow we haven't even uh, trust me i could list off just hundred well i couldn't mm -hmm. but there's My a lot more could. than this <laughs> but then the ghost of jack the ripper goes into the ship and i'm like oh the ship is gonna start killing women then and kirk is kirk gets on the the intercom and is like hey everybody uh stay at your posts and remain calm and no other information and i just know if i was working on the enterprise and my captain just came on and said hey everybody just uh be calm and no further information i would not be calm i would like to know more please because the the ghost of Jack the Ripper feeds on fear. And so mm -hmm. it gets stronger, the more afraid you are. So yeah, a little more explanation would have been helpful. It would, would just... be helpful because I'm afraid of the unknown. So yeah. if, <laughs> if I don't know what's happening. If you would have I'm said there's an, there's an entity that has taken control of the ship. Now calm down mm -hmm. because it feeds on fear. So I need you to put Totes. your poker faces on. All right, mm -hmm. just you know, channel your, channel your inner Vulcan and let's go with this, okay? But the problem gets solved by injecting everybody with THC, I with, assume. I don't know, but that's McCoy's <laughs> answer for everything. Give you a hypo. <laughs> and I loved to see big, brave, stoned Sulu. I thought he was great. Um, and then everybody else at the end just kind of high for a bit. <laughs> oh, now, Jim, I already injected myself. I... You know. I made a mint julep in my quarters. I you know, got my southern accent back again. How about that? Uh, I haven't um, mentioned this previously, I don't think, but for most of Star Trek's James Doohan, who plays Scotty, hides his right hand because he's missing a middle finger due to a World War II D-Day injury. Mm -hmm. And so while he's being questioned with his hand resting on the lie detector scanner, his fingers are hidden by being curled around the edge of the plate, which I did think, I was like, oh, why is he doing that? Oh, right, his finger. Um, and then during a close-up shot of the machine, um, a five-digit hand was a stunt double mm -hmm. um but james Dewan later wrote in his autobiography that this was one of his favorite episodes and uh this i this as well as um what happens in the next episode is what makes me really come around oh, yeah. on scotty these these two um, are scotty episodes yeah yeah and i i you know now here's the thing about james Dewan, who played scotty if, if you read his autobiography you find out why he never took shit from Shatner. 
Oh, really? That dude had done it all by the time he was an actor on Star Trek. He, I was you know, gonna, like, he's a World War II D-Day veteran. That's just touching on the stuff. I mean, he has stomped on the Terra. He wasn't afraid of anybody. And if oh. you were going to get into a fight, you'd want James Doohan to have your back. Yeah. Interesting. He, he, that's and I think that's why he never put up with 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 shit from Shatner where, you know, poor Sulu and poor Chekhov, they they took nothing but. But yeah. Uh, yeah. It, you know, yeah, but, but, there's um the other piece of trivia I have for this particular episode. Um this episode was made around the time that Leonard Nimoy earned an Emmy nomination for his portrayal of Spock and William Shatner has admitted that this put his nose out of joint considerably leading to tensions between the two actors. Uh mm -hmm. so this episode was a conscious effort on the part of the writers to sideline Nimoy and give Shatner center stage. Um but then after the series finished they reconciled and they were BFFs. Um but yeah yeah but the uh, the ghost of jack the ripper somehow takes over the dead body of the guy <laughs> who is the voice of piglet on winnie the pooh oh okay i have been looking at this guy and i'm mm -hmm. like why does this guy look familiar why does he sound familiar who is this man and you have it's, just cleared it up for me it's piglet from winnie the pooh oh did it did it here <laughs> the yeah. manager of the pleasure planet <laughs> <laughs> the lawyer or whatever he is yeah. uh, so then then okay well now he was dead but he's now he's back he's haunt, he's taken over by the ghost of jack mm -hmm. the ripper and their answer is to get him on the transporter pad again mccoy's fear of transporter pads wide dispersal in space mm -hmm. so he's just molecules spread out everywhere yeah and i was just like Oh, okay. Well, if that guy had still been alive, but then possessed, would they have done the same thing? Hmm. Mm. I think they would have. I think the piglet would have been gone regardless. There's a lot of, um, because thinking about that episode where the cloud takes over the woman's body for James Cochran or for Zeph Cochran. Zeph from Cochran, yeah. They're doing, yeah, maybe, okay. Maybe they're like, you know, once a body died, you can do whatever you want with it. <laughs> and maybe that's like a Starfleet regulation. <laughs> if the body has died already, have that. <laughs> I maybe I I don't know. Look. Which would be interesting to see with a thousand dead tribbles uh, leading to the trouble with tribbles to protect a space station with a vital grain shipment. Kirk must deal with the Federation bureaucrats, a Klingon battle cruiser, and a peddler who sells furry, purring, hungry little creatures as pets. Mm -hmm. And you happen to have one. This is actually uh, my dog's tribble. Uh, this this has a <laughs> mechanism. You see how much she's chewed uh -huh. on it there. Uh -huh. It has a mechanism inside of it. If you replace the battery. If they move the, the Tribble, it will vibrate and go, ee, ee, ee. <laughs> and the battery died, and I think it may be broken, because this this toy, Ripley loves this toy. Aww. This is her favorite toy, and when I picked it up to come in here to, to be with you, is it was mad? just like, what are you doing? I've That's not touched toy. that toy for months, but it's mine, damn it, and I want it now. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing with that? Papa, what are you doing with that? What are you doing? The Trouble of Tribbles, an episode I have actually seen at a geek show event. Really? Mm-hmm. I was there uh, whenever you guys showed this episode at Brewbies. Mm. We, I, I don't remember showing Star Trek episodes at Brewbies. I'm glad we did that. 
Uh, yeah, it was. We should um, do it again, I, actually. <laughs> um, I wish I could remember what the event was, but I it was the Trouble with Tribbles at Brewies, and I was front row at Brewies and sitting next to some unpleasant people. But um... well, yeah. <laughs> par for the course. Uh, what we should do. <laughs> we love the, you, maybe, Geek Show fans. <laughs> we love you, but uh, what we should do one of these times, and I'm not saying this is what we're going to do next, I'm saying think about it. We show Trouble with Tribbles and then the Deep Space Nine sequel episode to it, back to oh. back. Is there also an animated series episode that There was Tribbles? a Tribbles animated series episode. Those are only a half hour, as I recall. But it would be fun to show, you know what? I feel like maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you did do a Tribble double feature. Did we? Did we do this already? Okay, I think so. It's such a great idea. Get we in can the do comments. it twice. <laughs> yeah, get in the comments. Let us know. Have yeah. they done that? Because I, re I remember watching the original series one. Um, but it would seem weird to me if you only showed the one episode. Hmm. I, anyway. I don't recall. It, we've been doing well, the show for 15 years, so I just, I don't know. Who even knows? But it's okay. We'll multiply them like the tribbles multiply. Um, mm -hmm. Which McCoy calls them bisexual and they reproduce at will. And I don't think that's how bisexuality works. No, I think he was looking <laughs> for a different term. Yeah, mm -hmm. but you know, he is just an old country doctor, so. He is just an old country doctor. <laughs> uh, I love, I love the Tribbles, but I also love small furry things. And um, Tribble trolling, Tribble trilling, um, I think it's Uhura who says like, oh, it makes me feel happy or something like that. But it's that's how cat purr, that's why you should get a cat because exactly. cat purrs are good for your heart and mental health, people. Mm -hmm. um, I like that the Tribbles are like gremlins. If you feed them, they'll just start multiplying. Um, mm -hmm. The Tribble salesman, Cyrano Jones, he's right up there with Harry Mudd for me. Oh, uh, can I interest in you in a Tribble? <laughs> they should, you know what they should have done? They should have just brought Harry Mudd back. And now this yes. is Harry Mudd's new enterprise. Actually, no, that would have set up red flags for uh, for Kirk. He wouldn't have, yeah, it wouldn't have progressed. He would have shut it down quicker if it was Harry Mudd. Because mm. he's oh, had dealings I wonder Harry. if they tried that. And mm. so they, they were like, Cyrano Jones, a Harry Mudd type. Because I don't think Kirk meets Cyrano until the end, after the Tribbles have taken over. I could be yes. wrong. Yes. Yeah, I don't think it's like, I don't think it's until towards the end, because first he meets Uhura and Chekhov, who are there on shore leave. And mm -hmm. Uhura's like, I want one. And <laughs> there's the whole, the whole bit between Cyrano Jones and the bartender of trying to like haggle over the price of a Tribble. And and thank goodness that they let these character actors have a moment, you know. <laughs> yeah. Let them let them have their moment and some lines and some character, you know. Let them do it. It was it was amusing. When I was watching this, thinking about it in the turn, having now seen a bunch of the original series episodes, thinking about it, watching it at Broovies for the first time, having no context, what an unusual episode because there's so much that's not really centered upon because like Uhura and Chekhov are talking with the bartender and Cyrano Jones for like 10 minutes and it's such an unusual and then and then there's the scene where Scotty and and the crew go on shore leave to the bar and start a whole bar fight and, and I haven't seen anything like that in previous mm -hmm. episodes and, and again great for the people who made this episode letting these actors have these moments there's that Klingon mm -hmm. commander 
where he goes back and forth with 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 Scotty about you know, uh, you know the Enterprise is is a garbage scow, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's what sets Scotty off. Is you know, well, what's so funny is is the Klingon is like Kirk, your captain, that guy sucks, and Scotty's like, mm-hmm, what are you gonna yeah, do? Just... But then he's like, and your Enterprise is trash. He's like, what did you say about the Enterprise? <laughs> you can talk trash about my crew all day, but don't you dare say well, one bad word about the Enterprise. I'll kill you. It was great. It was the Enterprise is a garbage scow, the Klingon says. And 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 Scotty says, I'll give you a second chance to rephrase that. And he goes, <laughs> and the Klingon imitates his accent, which I'm like, good for you, character actor. Good mm-hmm. for you. You're right. I didn't mean it was a garbage scow. I mean, it should be hauled away as garbage. And that's what sets Scotty. I'll kill you. And they yeah. set up the whole bar fight. And yeah. Cyrano Jones just watching. Side story, when I lived in New York, I was at a piano bar with a couple of friends and a fight broke out. And and New York, it's tiny. This place is just a hallway. And a fight broke out. And so a lot of us are like trying to move out of the way so this fight can get out of our way. But my friend, full fur coat, pulls a Cyrano Jones, pours his drink, and is just like, "Mm -hmm, interesting. (laughs) (laughs) But then... You know, Kirk is interrogating the crew, like, okay, who started this fight? And the crew is like, uh, no narcs. I respect a team that has no narcs. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we don't, uh, ooh, we don't know who started the fight. And then he's talking to Scotty, and Scotty's like, I, I threw the first punch. I'm so sorry. And Kirk is like, well, why? And he's like, he called the Enterprise a garbage scow. And Kirk's like, mm, okay, okay, <laughs> go to your quarters. It's fine. <laughs> this whole episode, I love it. I just love this whole episode. There is, to me, there is mm-hmm. nothing wrong with this episode. The big, the biggest takeaway from this episode, trust dogs. Because you know when a dog doesn't like somebody? Trivels also, when they don't like somebody, they're a bad guy. But listen, if your dog doesn't like somebody... Listen. Listen to, to this information. <laughs> Trust this information because mm-hmm. the dog has always been right from day one. Even mm-hmm. though you hired a Tribble trainer to teach this Tribble to treat this person correctly, and the Tribble still does not treat this person correctly, listen to the Tribble. I speak from experience. Anyway. Mm-hmm. If your uh, dog doesn't like somebody, trust it. There is a um, reason. Uh, now, some... the there's, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, what were we going to say? I was just going to say there are several Klingons in this episode, many Klingons. Yes. Uh, and uh, this, is the re- this is the return of your old friend Trelane. Oh. <laughs> As the Klingon. Huh. Interesting. See, this is Captain Koloff, and this is, he's, he's one of the more popular Klingons. Mm. And if you look closely at the action figures, you can see, because there's Trelane's head. Uh-huh. It's a simple change of sculpt to make Captain Koloth. So I've got action figures of the same actor in two different characters. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Okay. And uh, it's uh, hmm. I keep forgetting the actor's name, but he is uh, he's he's such a great Klingon because he's also he's playing it over the top, but he's essentially yeah. playing it like he's Trelane. But <laughs> what if, okay, what if headcanon, what if that Klingon was just a Q trying to cause some, trying to stir up some trouble? Stirring up some trouble, trouble. Um, but, uh, but Koloff will be back in Deep Space Nine, the same actor. Triple episode? Uh, not, no, 
Well, oh. yes, yes, technically. Uh, I can't. I wish I could tell you about the Deep Space Nine Tribble episode. No, Koloth mm-hmm. and those uh, other Klingons I told you about, they come back as old Klingons in Deep Space Nine. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> so, so you get Kor, you get Koloth, and you get Kang, the original actors coming back as old Klingons in Deep Space Nine because they're old friends of, of Curzon Dax. Anyway, you'll learn mm-hmm. as you go along. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, Koloth is... Uh, and and it's it's I can't remember the actor's name, but he's so playing it for comedy, you know. Yeah, like flamboyant. I, I'm a bad guy. Yes, I am a bad guy. You know? <laughs> I love. I do love it when when the actors just lean into it, whether oh, yeah. or not whether or not they know the show is not a comedy. I love it when they do. Also, very funny. The people behind Star Trek not wanting to make more comedy episodes, and yet here we are making more comedy episodes. And you know, I mean. It just shows the potential. It just shows what the problem with the show was from the beginning was it took itself too seriously. Mm -hmm. If these people are working together, it's like an office. You're going to be making jokes. You're going to be making little jests and and laughing Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, you're going to be commiserating about paperwork, things like that. And that's what Star Trek was lacking for the longest time. Finally, it found its humor. Yeah. Strange uh, new worlds represent. Indeed. Some uh-huh. some bits of trivia regarding this episode. Uh, the scene in which Kirk is buried in an avalanche of tribbles took eight takes to get right. The tribbles were thrown into the hatch by members of the production crew. The crew members were not sure when to stop because they couldn't see the scene. This is why additional tribbles kept falling on Kirk one by one. <laughs> William Shatner can be seen looking perplexed as to why more tribbles just keep falling. Um, the noises that the Tribbles make were a combination of dove coos, screech owl cries, and air escaping from balloons. Uh, okay. During the famous bar fight, careful observers will note that while tables are broken, all of the chairs remain intact because the tables were studio property, but the chairs were rented. And so if they were damaged, they had to be paid for. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I love that. And then Shatner recalled the great enjoyment all the cast had while filming this episode. He noted the trouble we had with Tribbles was to keep your straight face. It was just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And I agree. A lot of fun. And that's where we get the character Darwin, who uh, turns out to be a surgically altered Klingon, which, hmm. Because uh, they hmm. look an awful lot like humans just with the goatees. Uh, they're so picky and choosy because if you think back to the Friday's Child episode, they had the Klingon that was just a guy. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. that's why I thought this one was also just a guy. But the the Tribbles, uh, uh, the Tribbles don't like Klingons, and they squeal whenever Klingons near. And I love that's how McC- that's how Kirk figures out that Darwin is a is a Klingon because the Tribble goes. Ee! Also, is it a is it um I don't want to call it a war crime, but is it a war crime to just transport all these tribbles onto the Klingon ship? Because <laughs> that's how they no get rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that was I, it. I was like, yeah, Scotty, you got it, my man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you know the Klingons just pulled out their disruptors and just started. Oh, you know, just lit you them know all that's on what fire. happened. Yeah, oh. or, or yeah, flamethrower or something stupid like that. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I kind of felt bad if I thought about it too much. If I just left it at the joke where Scotty said, where there be no tribble at all, and then the wh- wacky music, wacky music, funny, funny, and... Laughing, you know, laughing, and roll the credits. Roll the credits. Don't think about what the Klingons were doing to the tribbles. Just enjoy your laugh. It's, you know... <laughs> 
Well, that will do it for this week's episode of The Space Show Show. Thank you so much again for joining us and tune in next time where we will continue to go where no man has gone before, but a lot of men have gone before. No tribble at all. Thank you so much.